All right, who are my baseball people? Graham is, I know. Who's counting down the days until catchers and pitchers report? 87, by the way, as of today, Thursday, November 18th, if you're interested. So baseball, or actually almost any sports season, is about as perfect a metaphor as we can hope to get for the way that the seasons of our church year work. So think about baseball. It all starts with a season of preparation, which we call spring training, which leads up to the high holy day of opening day. It's practically a state holiday in Wisconsin. Um, then we have a long regular season, right? 162 games, it's almost six months, uh, which all culminates in the excitement of the postseason month of October. And the grand finale, of course, is the World Series Championship. And then we're back to counting down the days until catchers and pitchers report again. And that's pretty similar to the flow of our church year, actually. Um, it all centers around our two high holy days, Christmas and Easter. And each of those has a season of preparation before it and a season of celebration after it. So the season of Advent gets us ready for Christmas and the Christmas and Epiphany seasons that celebrate it. And then the season of Lent gets us ready for Holy Week and Easter and the season of Easter that follows that. And in between those two peaks, we have two lulls that we call ordinary time and they're just that, they're just kind of ordinary. Now all of that culminates with this weekend that we celebrate today, Christ the King weekend. It's the end of our church year. Next week we start again with a new year with the season of Advent. And we turn our eyes once again to the baby in Bethlehem. And as we go through those seasons, it's really kind of like we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus as he is first born in a manger, dies on a cross, rises again in the surprise ending that no one saw coming. And then we spend that almost six month, that long stretch um, from after Pentecost all the way through to Advent, trying to figure out how the story of Jesus can be not just a story that we tell, but a story that we live. So that's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to walk through each of the seasons in the church here. For each season, there'll be a scripture reading, a short reflection, and a hymn, and all of that um, will get us ready to center ourselves on a king like no other. A king that challenges us to reorder our own priorities as we get ready to look again towards Christmas and the arrival of God with us, Emmanuel. Here we go. Our first reading is from the Advent Cycle, A Time to Wait, and it comes from Luke chapter 1. This reading is from the lullaby Zechariah sings to his new baby, John the Baptist, about the hope first John and then Jesus will bring to their people. And the reading begins, Blessed be the God, Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Advent, a time to wait. Advent is a time to wait. It's a time to acknowledge the gap between how things are and how they should be. 
a time to be honest about our longings, about the prayers that we're still waiting for God to answer, about the dreams that have not yet come true. And just like the days outside are getting shorter, Advent is a time of darkness, but not in a bad way. It's a time when we pray May Sarton's prayer. Oh God, make us ever faithful gardeners of the spirit who know that without darkness, nothing ever comes to birth as without light, nothing ever flowers. And so uh, Advent is a time of great hope because as the people of God, we know the light of the world is on the way. So with great hope, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Christmas, a time to rejoice. Okay, Christmas is pure celebration mode. It is first and foremost a celebration of love, of God's love for us. And when we talk Christmas, we're talking about a love so big, God just couldn't stay away. A love so big, it overflows the heavens and is made manifest within the rapidly dividing cells of a peasant girl named Mary. A love so big that God literally slips into human skin and moves right into our neighborhoods to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ. A love so big, heaven can't contain it, and a light so bright, no darkness can overcome it. That is what we celebrate at Christmas, and that's what we're going to sing about. Love has come. Love has come, a light in the darkness. Love shines forth in the Bethlehem skies. See, all heaven has come to proclaim it. Hear how their song of joy arises. Love, love, born unto you. Epiphany, an ordinary time, a time to reflect and respond. The good news of great joy, that is Jesus' birth, is way too big to be contained to a single day. So we spend the season of Christmas celebrating it. Then we spend the season of Epiphany trying to make sense of it. And then that first stretch of ordinary time trying to live into it before we turn our attention to Lent and Easter. And our next reading is from Lent, a time to return. It comes from Luke chapter 4. As Luke tells it, Jesus' earthly ministry starts as it ends, with Jesus being tested. Use your power to save yourself. And the reading begins. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in, in the wilderness 
where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Lent, a time to return. Lent means different things to different people, but at its core, Lent is a time to return to our best version of ourselves and to the God who made us and loves us and longs for us to be set free. Because, you know, life happens. And so sometimes we get a little off track or we lose track of what's most important. So every year we set aside the 40 days of Lent to be a little bit more intentional, a little bit more tuned in, to kind of come back to ourselves and to our priorities and to our God. Usually we do that through some kind of discipline, so either giving something up or taking something on. And we do that not as a punishment, um, but because it, it heals us, it restores us, it resets something holy inside of us. And of course, one of the ways we do that is through prayer. So that's what we'll sing about now. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Oh, Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us grace. Mercy and Lord, listen to your children praying. Oh Lord, send your spirit in this place. Oh, oh Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us And our next reading is from Easter, a time to rise. It comes from Luke chapter 24. When God gets involved, death is not the end, but just a new beginning, as the women who follow Jesus are about to find out when they go to his tomb to anoint his body. The reading begins. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Easter, a time to rise. Easter is what it's all about, people. It is the central metaphor of our faith, death and rebirth. Easter is the promise to hurting people and a hurting world that when we suffer, we do not suffer alone. We do not suffer forever and we do not suffer in vain because our God is in the business of making all things new. God comes to us in whatever graves we find ourselves, pulls us out of there, 
breathes new life into us. It is the promise that however unlikely it looks right now, forces of death never get to have the word, last word because in the end, God wins, life wins, love wins. Even though in this life we may stumble and fall, through Christ we rise again. And that is good news worth celebrating. Now all the vault of heaven resounds. Pentecost, an ordinary time, a time to reflect and respond. And again, this good news of the defeat of death on Easter morning, that's way too big to be contained to a single day. So we spend a seven-week season of Easter celebrating it, and then an almost six-month season of Pentecost trying to live into it. And all of that culminates in today, Christ the King weekend. Here's the gospel for today. And our gospel for Christ the King a time to reorient. The reading comes from John chapter 18. After he is arrested and before he is crucified, Jesus is on trial before Pilate, the Roman installed governor of Judea. The charge is treason against the Roman Empire who ruled the area at the time. As always, Jesus refuses to give straight answers and points Pilate and us to something bigger. The reading begins. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you think this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jewish person, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into this world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Christ the King, a time to reorient. Friends, this is why I'm a Christian. Because these stories have changed my life. They help me make sense of the world and um, they give me words for things that I already knew were true but didn't quite know how to explain. And these stories of the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus, they are the foundation of our faith, not because they happened, but because they happen. We see this lived out all around us all the time. Because I long for things to be different, 
than the way that they are. And I see God show up in my longing, and that's Advent. And because on the times and in the places and the people that I absolutely least expected, in the most ordinary of days and ways, God just shows up out of nowhere and knocks my socks off. And that's Christmas. Because I have seen incredible healing and transformation and renewal happen in people's lives. And it always seems to happen on the other side of suffering and hurt and loss, not in spite of those things, but because of them, through them. And that's Lent. And because I have seen people who live with great courage and die with great peace, because they trust that this life is not all there is. And because I desperately, desperately want to believe that this story is not finished, that I'm not finished, that this world is not finished, and that the ending is a good one. And that's Easter. So that's why I'm a Christian. Um, that's what our church year is about. That's what today is about, Christ the King weekend. It's the day when, having walked with Jesus all the way through, we now today take a moment to say, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Friends, there is a God, and I am not it. So God... Take me out of the center of my own universe and put Jesus on that throne instead. Take all of my crowns. I am throwing them down. I want to be part of this story, the story that God is writing. God was always a much better writer than me anyways. Amen. Crown him the Lord.